Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, I played God of War Ragnarok, Britney played Resident Evil 4 Remake, and finally, Silent Hill 2 Remake was announced. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. That's the important part. Every Friday, I am Andrea Renee, joined as always by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Oh, it's a good day to be alive, Andrea. Lots of fun shit in the works. I mean, it's a good day, especially for you, with the news that came out this week. Please welcome again to the show, Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena. Ooh, that sounds so nice and official. Thank you. (laughs) And welcome back, Mr. Danny Pena. Hello, ladies. I'm back. And, uh, it's so good to have you both. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Danny, let's just cut right into it. It's been a hard week for you. It's been a hard week for you and your coworkers and friends over at G4. We just want to give you our love and give you a big virtual hug and go, it sucks what happened. We're sad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially finding out through a tweet instead of an email from the company. You know, so. Where the fuck is humanity in 2022? I would just I like know. to know. I like when when company gives people like their employees a heads up. You know, previously I used to work at Discovery Channel and we had the heads up a year in advance. So we knew things were going to change. But yeah, G4, no longer. That's it. It's officially over. They shut down, I think, the Pluto TV version just a couple of hours ago. And people can still watch the linear version. I don't know for how long. And we still have our content up on YouTube, but who knows that going to last that long too. So we'll see. But I was at the studio actually today with Rihanna to pick up my stuff and just to say the final goodbye. We had an amazing time creating content over there and we made some cool shit together as a team. And I'm going to miss that, I think, most than anything else. And it was sad. I got really emotional. I haven't slept in three days. Actually, today I haven't even eaten. (laughs) I've been so stressed out with everything, but I know everybody's going to be good after this it was just the chapter ends the next chapter is going to begin from now on you know so and the crazy thing about this just last week andrew i don't know if you're allowed to say this or not but andrew was at the studio because we were looking for a new host and andrew killed it killed it she did it in one shot one shot (laughs) and i'm like yes (laughs) no we were by that of course Yeah, we were very excited about the opportunity to potentially work together, both you and myself. And of course, you know, Emily, Emily Rose, Emily Jacobson, who we had on the show last week. And it was just wild how we saw each other on Thursday in the studio. And then Mm -hmm. the news broke on Sunday, like two days later. Just insane. Like heart goes out to obviously both Mm -hmm. of you and all of your friends and everybody else who was affected by this. Layoffs suck no matter how they're handled like yep. it's still like it's still shitty right it, it feels bad man but mm-hmm. having it happen that way and finding out like via the internet and like a viral news story 
is just so much more stressful and tormenting because you're like, what happened? Who do I call? You know, do I have severance? What about my health care? What am I going to do about my paychecks? Do I have access to my desk? Like all those questions that you're like, you have no answers to. It's just so awful the way that they handled oh, it. Oh, man. So. Yeah. Trust me. It was it was wild. And not only that, I had to contact all the gaming companies that I was working on on a couple of projects for the show. Actually, I was going to have Sonic Team. They were going to come from Japan. Mm. and go to the studio we were planning to do like a sonic frontiers special launch episode we were just filming a project too with ilphonic to celebrate the release of ghostbusters i know emily and another producer jake and the whole team been filming all week even that day that you show up they were filming that day and that was just a break that they took yeah. so you could go and, and record your stuff and there was things too that i was planning to do with the show man like man it's just like <sighs> So much stuff that we did, man. It was so special to me, and now it's just gone. Let's see what happens next. I'm glad that everybody been hitting me up. Andy, Britt, you know, Rihanna, my wife, has always been supportive. And, and all the friends from my in the industry have been, been hitting me up. And just to check in if I'm okay, and I'm going to be okay. It's just been rough for the first three days, you know, so I'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not that we need to toot your horn any more than we already do, but we will. You also have this amazing show called Gamertag Radio that is one of the longest running podcasts in video games that is alive and well. And if you guys aren't subscribed to Danny's show, wherever you listen to What's Good Games, just search for Gamertag Radio. You can find it and, you know, hit that follow or subscribe button and show him and his team over there some support. And also you're making amazing content on Twitter at Godfrey, and uh, you have some more, you know, some irons in the fire that I think you're not talking about yet, which is good. And of course, we're still celebrating the launch of your amazing children's book. Yeah, it's been out now for like a month, right? So yeah, hey. very exciting. You know what? I even had uh, Telemundo again, another one for the morning show. They showed up and they did another segment. I think it's airing in a couple of weeks, but I can't wait to see that. You're that's, such a badass, Danny. Damn. Yeah. Hey, I'm you. just trying, trying to hustle. Well, you're not trying. <laughs> you're doing it, dude. Look at you. <laughs> Well, thank you. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. The definition of hustle. Yeah. Danny's photo in the dictionary. Well, thank you for being on the show this week. When, you know, we heard the news, I reached out because I was like, I know that you've been playing a lot of these games because this is a monster week, not only just for news, but for previews. And of course, we're about to hit heavy review season going into the holidays. So I was like, hey, you want to come talk about some video games that you're playing on, on What's Good? Let's do it. So let's talk about some video games. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Gotson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Punctified, and Maddie Dre. And if you want to join our Patreon community and help support our mission in video games, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. And we have another announcement after we thank one of our new reviewers. How do you say this? Adderon, you think? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. A-A-D-E-R-R-O-N. You, friend, left a very kind review and we are very appreciative of it. Thank you so, so much. And if you want to you know support the show in a non-monetary way feel free to leave us a review we read them they give us warms and fuzzies the warms and fuzzies sure why not and they make us Both happy mm -hmm. i was telling andrea and danny and reed before the show ladies and gentlemen that andrea is smart listen let's just call it out and i'm over here <laughs> drinking whiskey because i'm it's been a day and she's like i would drink whiskey but then i'm gonna fall asleep and i'm like whatever join me and then not like 10 minutes later i'm over here she's like oh, i'm dead I, and i'm like <laughs> i'm two sips into this bitch and i'm already like feeling like I might curl up on the floor over there. I'm right there with you, Britt. I have yeah. my, my G4 mug filled with I'm gin <laughs> and ginger ale. So <laughs> Very nice. Cheers, Very nice. Well, hopefully we'll get to some exciting news to perk you up. Oh, yeah. 
But before we jump in, uh, today's show is brought to you by Factor, which we'll tell you more about later. Rihanna, I believe you have a little bit of news to share as well. I do. Yeah. So I have been sort of quiet on my goings on since I was let go from G4 back in May. Rest in peace. And my new gig actually started last week. So it was a little early to talk about. I was still figuring out, you know, what my exact duties and responsibilities would be. But I'm very excited to let everybody know I am the new director of brand and unified marketing at Zebra Partners. Yay! So Again, proud of you. Badass. So proud of you. Two of you. you together. It's like you should get married or something. Look at you. I know, right? <laughs> It's very exciting. We love the folks over at Zebra. I've known Perrin for a very long time. She is a wonderful mentor and leader for all kinds of people, but particularly a lot of initiatives for women in games. So it's really exciting that you're over there doing some good stuff with her and her team. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get started. You'll hear more about what I'll be doing soon, but uh, just very excited to share that with the What's Good family. And thank you, everybody, for being so supportive Yay. these last few months. It's been hard, and all of the love has definitely been felt and received. So thank you. Good. And we want to make sure y'all know that Ree's going to kick it with us as often as she can. And we always knew that this was probably going to be a temporary situation, but we will take you as many weeks and as many months as you can yes. can give us of your time. So we love having you here, obviously. <laughs> now that we've got this introduction out of the way. It's been great. No, it's wonderful. You know, we're all about the positivity here on What's Good Games. Just doing a hard pivot from positivity to like <laughs> horrific news. Oh, it's actually not horrific. It's news that we saw coming and talked about not that long ago. Silent Hill 2 has finally been revealed. The remake, surprise, from Blooper Team. Wow. Who would have guessed? This is probably the worst kept secret, right? Absolutely the worst kept secret. I do want to make a quick disclaimer that the Resident Evil showcase is happening this week. Unfortunately, it's happening after we record. What I can talk about is Resident Evil, my hands-on and the hands-on section. But if there's any major announcements, we're not going to be able to cover it. So don't at me. But yes, anyway, like Andrew was saying, worst kept secret of all time. I mean, everyone was hinting at it. I was actually kind of surprised that they flapped their little lippy flaps as much as they did and kind of gave it away that they were doing this and working on this. I remember a bet, Andrea, you and I had years ago. And it was, God, in the before times, maybe 2018, 2019. And I said, I think Konami is going to announce a new Silent Hill game this year. And you and I bet some bottle of alcohol on it, which I don't think ever came to fruition. So uh, yeah, I was three years off, but here we are. The day has happened. So this comes from IGN and it's called Silent Hill 2 Remake Announced from Bloober Team. First look at Pyramid Head. It's official. After months, more like years, of rumors and speculation, Konami is remaking Silent Hill 2. During today's Silent Hill transmission event, Konami showcased a three-minute trailer that provided a look at the famously foggy town in 4K. In addition to providing glimpses of Pyramid Head and other notable elements from the original game, the trailer confirmed that Bloober Team will be handling development and that it will utilize the Unreal Engine. It will be a timed PS5 console exclusive while also releasing on Steam. I believe the exclusivity is a year. Masahiro Ito will provide the creature design while Akira Yamaoka returns as the game's composer. The trailer begins with a close-up shot of a cockroach, properly repulsive glamour shot designed to show off the game's graphics, followed by hero James Sunderland looking into a mirror amid a voiceover about his deceased wife. It's followed by familiar shots of Sunderland walking through the fog, glimpses of familiar moments, and of course, Pyramid Head, who is seen hulking in the rain. Blooper Team, meanwhile, expressed their intentions to remake the game while also modernizing it. That includes adding an over-the-shoulder camera, among other enhancements. Quote, to put it simply, our goal is to make everything that made the game a timeless classic, but delve even deeper into the foggy streets of Silent Hill, said director... 
Swiss Lennart, probably butchered that, so sorry, who previously served as creative director of The Medium. Yeah, so again, I think this is the major announcement from the transmission events. Very exciting stuff. I think what I'm most excited about is I feel like I'm on the other side. And what I mean by that is when it came to Resident Evil and kind of the resurgence that franchise has had, you know, I was always the one who was like, I've been playing this game since I was a little kid. Do not recommend. Do not let your children play that game. And now, you know, I can recommend it to people. I can tell people why I'm so excited about the remake and I can speak about it and, you know, kind of nerd out over it. But when it comes to the Silent Hill IP, I'm very unfamiliar with it. I played it once back in the day and I was way too freaked out. It's a different kind of terror. Like this game literally terrorized me to the point where I couldn't play it. So now this is kind of my chance to hop into it for the first time. So I'm really excited about it. Ree, I know you're probably effing out. Andrea, I know if you're feeling brave, you'll give it a shot. But Danny, are you excited about this? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I, I used to play the Silent Hill games back then. And another thing, too, I, I love Booper. I love their, Thank uh, you. their games, too. Me I love too. Layers of Fear, The yeah. Medium. Very excited. Actually, I had them on the show to promote The Medium. And I asked them about like any games that inspire them. And that was one of the games that they talked about was Silent Hill. I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. They were just hinting the whole time. I yes. see what the hell you were doing. <laughs> but I'm very excited. I'm very excited to try it out again. And yeah, so this is going to be an exclusive for a year, right? For on yeah. PlayStation. Okay. But it's also going to be available on PC too. So yes. I'll probably play the PC version for sure. Are you really familiar with Silent Hill too? Not really, not like like Resident Evil, because it's been so long I haven't played a Silent Hill game. I know there was a movie that came out similar to Part 1 years back. Like I oh, think that yeah. was like in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's about it. There was a Silent Hill movie, and then they released a sequel. And actually, one of the reveals today was that Return to Silent Hill is a new movie coming from the original Silent Hill director. So I think it's coming next year, supposedly. So if you're looking forward to that, cool. I think that one's based off of Silent Hill, too. Other quick notes to talk about here. I think that was a major announcement. So, oh, there's Silent Hill F. This is a new game that was That's revealed. a new game. To see, that yeah. one I'm excited to try that Set out. Set in 1960s Japan. Mm-hmm. So this is described as a juxtaposing a worldview of beautiful, therefore horrifying. Silent Hill F is being written by Ryukishi07, the acclaimed Japanese visual novel writer behind the Hirogashi and Umineko series. Now, I'm not familiar with those, but I know people who are are just like creaming their pants right now over that. Apparently, that's very exciting news, therefore I am excited. So the atmospheric trailer shows a scenic but sinister Japanese town that's becoming engulfed in some kind of fungus. The ending of the trailer, however, is genuinely terrifying with a woman covered in fungus. The game is being developed by Neobarda Studio in China that has helped develop Capcom's most recent games like Resident Evil Reverse. The producer is Motoi Akamoto, a Nintendo veteran. So you have some stars on this game. No one knows what the F stands for. Another, again, interesting. This is good on Konami. I feel like this is a showcase that really came past with lots of fun announcements. Like, you know, I know a thing or two about the Resident Evil showcases that happened in the past. And while those were obviously an absolute honor to host, I know when it came to the actual announcements from those that, you know, it was kind of lacking some of that fire. But fuck, with this showcase, I feel like they just got like announcement after announcement after announcement. The next one, this is an interesting one. Silent Hill Ascension is a live Silent Hill event coming next year. So this is in the works and it appears to be some kind of live and possibly inner interactive experience in the Silent Hill universe. It shows images of chat bubbles from users discussing whether or not they could save quote her and the segment ended with live 2023. We learned that it's being made through a partnership with streaming software company tools Genva JJ Abrams Film and TV production company Gaming Bad Our Robots Day by Daylight Studio Behavior Interactive. So lots of folks and essentially it just looks like this was inspired by watching streamers play Silent Hill with their audience and the feeling of being scared together. It's a live real-time 
interactive series where audiences can change the outcomes of the story. Looks weird as hell, but it's a thing that's happening. Re, are you interested in any of this? Or are you just like hell to the no? <laughs> well, I, I will say my guess is that the F stands for fungus. And that is a very good guess. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. That, yeah, makes sense. that, that makes Rihanna, sense. she's a thinker. Well, as as Andrew was showing the, the B-roll here at youtube.com slash games, there was a moment where there was fungus coming out of holes in some body parts, mm. which, you know, triggered one of my phobias, which I didn't like that scene. But of all of these, I might tune in for Silent Hill Live. I really like those events like Twitch Plays Pokemon and things where the audience can actually impact the gameplay and, you know, it's more interactive. So that one I feel like I could maybe tolerate because, like, we're all scared together and it's not just me by myself in my living room, like, clutching my little pillow. So I think I might actually try it. Okay. Oh, and nice. report back. I think that's great. And that's encouraging. I think this might be a good way for folks to get into Silent Hill again, who maybe are like, ha, pyramid head, nurses, hell no, stay the hell away. But if you see something like this, and maybe it'll slowly ease you into it, and maybe you'll become a huge fan and you'll out nerd me when it comes to horror content. LOL. That would be something. That is a very high bar to clear, but if anyone could do it, I believe in Rihanna. She could do it. And this last one I'm very excited about. Silent Hill Townfall invites Annapurna NoCo to shape the world of Silent Hill. So in addition to several other Silent Hill announcements that we've covered, today we've learned that one of the upcoming new Silent Hill entries is being co-produced by a surprising pairing, Annapurna Interactive and NoCode Studios. It's called Silent Hill Townfall. The reveal consisted of a series of unsettling images. Most of the teasers swapped between images of ocean waves in black and white and at the end bright red and a slow zoom into a pocket CRTV while a voice demanded to know why the listener was here. There were no further details provided. And what I'm really stoked about is No Code made a game and I wrote it down because I already forgot what it was called. Stories Untold. And I talked about this probably a couple years ago. And what Stories Untold was, it's a bunch of haunting short adventure. There's four little adventures in there and it's a unique experience that I had never really had had before when it came to video game and storytelling and it's maybe only three and a half hours to finish the thing from start to finish and it's $9.99 on Xbox and Nintendo Switch but no code made this and if they're gonna add that spin onto Silent Hill I think again like that's an interesting medium to blanket the IP in and it could and you know include people and maybe were interested in it otherwise so cool bunch of like neat neat announcements from this thing it is they they went hard I think it's good that Konami came out showcasing work from a bunch of partners because I think a lot of us in the video games industry have been watching their moves over the last five years really trend away towards video game development and towards a lot of other business ventures, particularly in the Japanese markets. And it's like, well, are they still making games? Obviously they are. You know, they have some sports games that are still continuing to do very well, but we haven't really seen anything in the AAA, you know, narrative space or, you know, action adventure space for quite some time. And so I think it's good that they're like, hey, we have this really legacy IP. We want it to not die. So we're going to enlist the help of, you know, some third parties to make some games. And I think that that's a really smart move. Yeah. Did you see though? No shaming Konami. Like, listen, mistakes happen. We're all human, but they accidentally up 
uploaded their stream as a VOD instead of a premiere. So oh. when it went live, everyone just kind of like skipped past like the five minute <gasps> countdown and hopped right into the content. Oh, oh. no. When, what was so hard about it too is the event was supposed to go live, I think at 1 p.m. At 12.55, they uploaded the video, which has a five minute countdown. But all these stories then started breaking before the stream even went live. So there was a lot of confusion because folks were able to like scrub through <laughs> the stream was even supposed to start. It happens, but uh, you know, it would have been nice if there had been more like bang, boom, pop, because all the other stuff had leaked too earlier in the morning. But it's fine. We got the content. Got yeah. And it's out there. It's out it's there. Out Everybody's there. talking about it. Yeah. It's exciting. Hey, listen, with Resident Evil 4 around the corner, we got Silent Hill back. You know, we got Callisto Protocol, Dead Space. It's mm-hmm. fucking rad. It's a good time to be alive if you like getting scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of horror games. And Brittany, like right now is the best time. There's so many horror games that have been out. So oh, many. Oh, man. And then we got the Resident Evil Village DLC coming out. Like, it's just a good time. It's a good time yeah. to be a gamer. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah wait. You girls, you girls got to record some, some stuff or stream live, too, and, and post that online. Love to see it. I would love to do that. With all you the free time we have. You don't have to make suggestions, Danny. <laughs> no, you don't I... have to do that. Thank you. We <laughs> would love to stream live. Yeah. There is Absolutely. the small problem that is under, well, just over two feet now. There's two of them, actually, two problems. You know, they both can't say their own names yet, but someday they will be oh, able yeah. to, and they will be able to name themselves as our problem. That is the reason so. why the amount of Botox I get has increased. <laughs> Give me all of the CCs. (laughs) Um, All right. So there is a little bit more news, but not a whole lot that we really want to dive into. We obviously talked about, you know, the closure of G4 at the top of the show. There is probably some more news breaking, as Brittany mentioned, because of when we have to record. Y'all know this. If you've been listening to What's Good Games for a while that, you know, sometimes we miss the big stuff. We have to cover it the next week. So what we do have is a lot of hands on this week. So I think what we're going to do is take our first break of the show and when we come back we're going to talk about some really amazing video games that both Brittany and I and of course the the Manuel Peñas are excited to talk about stick with us everybody we'll be right back episode of Bosco Games is brought to you by Factor 75. Fall is officially here, everybody. With a new season comes a new routine. And if you're like me, sometimes you get sick of the same old, same old day after day. But luckily, Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery makes it easy to switch things up with 30 meal choices per week, over 36 weekly add-ons, and an option to add protein, or you can select vegan and veggie meals as well. Now, whether I'm out and about all day or maybe I'm just cozying up at home with the fam, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. That's right, you heard me. Meals ready ready to eat in just two minutes. You guys can savor the harvest season with Factors Pumpkin Feast for Two featuring fall's most craved flavor. That's right, you guessed it, pumpkin. This ready-to-eat bundle helps you make the most of autumn with a full spread that feeds two. Date night, anyone? Mmm, pumpkin date night. That sounds nice and cozy, doesn't it? Plus, Factor has a rotating menu that has tons of fall options every week, too, with seasonal favorites like three bean vegan chili, apple mustard pork chops, and Tuscan tomato chicken to spice up things in your meal repertoire. Not only do Factor meals save time, but they also will keep you satisfied. They're chef-crafted 
Pasta's recipes are packed with restaurant quality flavor and they will also be dietitian approved. I know it's almost unbelievable, right? Can it really be tasty if a dietitian is approving it? These are the questions for our time. Factor also has other things besides ready-to-eat meals, though. They have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you going during your busiest season. If you guys are hungry already and want to check out these ready-to-eat meals, head to go.factor75.com slash whatsgood60 and use code whatsgood60 to get 60% off your first box. Don't forget about the go. That's go.factor75. 75.com slash what's good 60 and use our code what's good 60 that's six zero to get 60% off your first box when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we have been to. And boy, oh boy, have we been playing a lot of things for once. Since I feel like <laughs> the bounty of riches for this week. So we are going to start with the game that I'm personally very excited about and have been excited about. Oh. And oh. we can only talk about a little bit of it's God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. So thank you to Sony, PlayStation, for giving us early access to God of War Ragnarok. We have a small sliver of the game that we can talk about as a preview and then our full thoughts of the game are going to be coming later on as we have mentioned on social media. So the official review embargo is November 3rd, which inconveniently is when Brittany and I are just coming back from being out of town. So stay tuned as to when we're going to be releasing that. And as you guys know, we are going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, and the review will be spoiler-free. It would be fun to do a spoiler cast for God of War Ragnarok at some point in the future, but I do want to just call out, if you did not play the original God of War, it's very possible there's going to be light story spoilers for you, and maybe even more than light story spoilers for you from the first game, because it's almost impossible to talk about certain parts of the game without mentioning things, so Mm -hmm. if you are truly trying to go in completely blind, or if you haven't played the games and you want to before Ragnarok comes out. Maybe now is the time that you go to the timestamps and the show notes and skip ahead to where Brittany is, you know, grunting about Resident Evil. Oh, grunting, groaning, spitting, <laughs> so many bodily fluids. <laughs> All right, you've been warned. So, Brittany, <gasps> let's start with you before I start like blabbering on. 
How many hours have you put in up until the cutoff point for the preview? Eight and a half. That's almost exactly how much time I've put Get in as well. Get the fuck out of here. Hey. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been doing as much side content as I could before getting to the cutoff point. And man, you know what's just so wild about it is I played God of War 2018 just once. That was four years ago. And hopping right back into Ragnarok, right back four years later, hopping into Ragnarok, it feels like I never stopped playing God of War. I don't know if you've had that same experience. It's all coming back to me and it's all kind of clicking. And I'm like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember this. Okay, if this is the puzzle I'm facing, then I, I know I have to look this way. It's been kind of wild to hop back into it, almost feel like I never stopped playing God of War. But, you know, I think I'll just talk about what's been the biggest surprise for me in the eight and a half hours I've spent with this game. And again, spoiler free, we can't talk about spoilers anyway. I think it's the emotional, how this game feels so much more emotional than the original. This game is really diving into the relationship with Kratos and Atreus. And of course, you have little Mimir, little Mimir's head, and they're trying to keep the peace between the two of them. And it's interesting to watch Kratos because you have Atreus, and teenagers are hard enough, but now you have a god teenager who's not only trying to discover who he is as a person, but like who he is as a god. And watching 14 year old Atreus, I think he's about 14 now how much he's changed and how much their dynamic has changed. It's clear that they have not been to therapy since the events of the first God of War. (laughs) There are still a lot of unspoken tension and issues between the two of them. But I feel like the opening hours have just focused a lot more on their dynamic and the emotions between the two of them rather than kind of the heavy action gameplay. I don't know if you if that was kind of your experience too, Andrea, but I think that's been really surprising to me. And, and I mean, I've enjoyed it. I think the thing about the first God of War that I love the most was watching that relationship between the two of father and son grow and develop. And now, you know, you're picking up after the events of God of War 2018, where a lot of stuff had went down and both these characters know so much about each other, new things about each other, and, and they have this new sort of respect bond between the two of them. And now they're kind of thrust into this new interesting situation and you have a teenager on top of it. I'm really happy that Sony Santa Monica is spending the time to watch that relationship grow and develop. I'm not sure if that's going to be a hit, though, with everyone because it feels like some could consider it a slow start. I see what you're saying, but... I also think that we got some really intense boss fights and mini boss fights right out the gate in the first couple of hours. And boy, oh boy, does picking up the Leviathan axe feel like revisiting an old friend. It's so satisfying revisiting this combat that I loved so much from 2018's God of War. It's just as slick, if not more so, this time around. Of course, people have been asking Do you also have the Blades of Chaos at the beginning of the game? And yes, you do. I think in the first couple encounters, you are predominantly using the Leviathan Axe, but I mean, the blades come back right away. I don't know if they're going to introduce more weapons down the line. I imagine not, but I don't think they need to because these two weapons are phenomenal. And I also agree with you that I think it's great that they're really exploring this relationship. One of the things that really stood out to me about the narrative is that it's both super moving and poignant. Some of the lines about the responsibilities when going into potential war or potentially starting war and whose responsibility is it to take care of the people who are going to be the collateral damage of the war and the heaviness of what Atreus and Kratos are potentially walking into this idea of what Ragnarok represents and what is Atreus's 
part to play in all of it and who are they going to be allies with and who are they not you know some of the things that I think they're going to explore you know as the story for the game unfolds but also just some really amazing moments of levity the oh. humor that's sprinkled in some of the the one-liners that either Mimir has or Kratos has because it's so it's so hilarious to me how Kratos is like I mean and shout out to Christopher Judge for being just a phenomenal voice actor for Kratos just deadpanning some of these responses because Atreus is just like a jabber jaw he's just talk 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 and a lot of times Kratos just does not even respond to his questions he's just like mm. or he'll grunt mm. or he'll just say mm. <laughs> and it's like that's that grunt says a lot oh my god then Brock and Sindri yeah. making a return to you and the dynamic between all of them it's such a smart decision that Kratos is surrounded by so many other characters because he's such a, a man a god if you will of such few words and he's not very expressive so these other characters really do just bring so much life into the narrative and god Kratos is a wise dude and I know he's an old god okay of course he's been around he's seen some stuff he's done some stuff but some of the things he says when again Atreus is jabberjaw I'm like that's really good life advice and I stop and I ponder on it and I'm like I like like that a lot and a few of those lines which I obviously can't repeat are still like are percolating in my head I said from the beginning I said to myself personally when it comes to game of the year conversations God of War for me isn't competing with Elden Ring Ragnarok is competing with 2018 God of War because that game just blew I think not only it had the element of surprise and blew all of our expectations I always thought it was going to be really hard for for God of War Ragnarok to repeat that and I have to say so far I am just again like all my expectations have been met it's really doing everything I wanted it to do it does feel very familiar you know I haven't noticed anything that's been too brand new and granted like I don't think we're supposed to get into that yet I think this is supposed to feel like a continuation of 2018's God of War so we're not supposed to be blown away with a bunch of new mechanics or you know we do have new realms coming up that's been confirmed already but yeah it's it's just giving me those warm and fuzzies and one of the first areas you come across where you can actually have some exploration I just got that feeling in my stomach of like oh this is going to be so cool oh this is going to be so fun getting on that boat and rowing around and seeing that sense of scale that Steimer talked about back when the 2018 one came out seeing that manifested and actually playing through it it's just kind of mind-blowing the attention to detail that's I've seen so far in this game Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we always, like you mentioned, said that if we were actually going to look at what games are going to be going head to head with Elden Ring for Game of the Year, that this was the one. And I want to remind everybody that God of War beat Red Dead Redemption 2 (laughs) in a surprise win during the year that it came out. And I think it's very possible that Ragnarok could potentially beat Elden Ring just based off these early hours of the game that I've seen because it's just so jaw dropping. We're watching some of the trailers trailers that Sony has already released because they didn't give us any new footage to release for this early preview. When I booted it up on my PlayStation 5, I am playing it in resolution mode. So they have a performance mode and a resolution mode. So I typically don't tend to favor frame rates unless I'm in like a really intense boss encounter. And then sometimes I'll switch the mode that I'm playing in, but I like the high resolution. It's just ridiculously gorgeous. The modeling that they did on Kratos is out of this world. Like the skin textures, the fibers in his beard, Mm. the reflections on the axe and the blades as they're on your back. Like it's just such a beautiful looking game and it plays so smoothly as well that 
it feels like it's hitting all of those notes that 2018 God of War hit for me of like the game looks gorgeous. The game plays amazing. The combat feels good. And the narrative is so substantial. It makes you want to just keep playing more and more. I've literally played 10 hours of this game in the last 48 hours. That's how much I want to keep playing. And I'm so tired. My body is just like, why did you do this to us? We have a child we are looking after. (laughs) But I just can't put it down. And now I know people have questions about like, okay, but what's different? What's different about what they're doing in Ragnarok than what they did in the first game? And the biggest difference that I've noticed so far, obviously narrative stuff aside, is there's a lot more progression and upgrading that you can do both within the skill tree system and within the weapon system. So we had some upgrading, obviously, of the weapons in the last game. They are taking it a step further and there's more upgrading to do. There's going to be more different kinds of armor sets that you can get from the different places that you visit throughout the game. And we'll have more to say about that when we have the final review deadline in a couple of weeks. But there's definitely more. (laughs) There's more in the game. So (laughs) much more. How are you enjoying the combat? Because I think it let me just say, I think it's super fun, but I'm finding that there are so many different button combos that I feel like you can do, whether you have the blades or you have the axe, or if you have your runes equipped that I sometimes forget. I'm like, okay, so if I want to do this, what do I have to press to make that happen? I think it's just, I have to spend more time getting more adventurous instead of just button mashing. But I do love how it feels. It almost feels like I'm playing a PC game because I feel like I have this gigantic keyboard of potential opportunity at my fingertips, but it's just a PS5 controller because you can just do so many different things. That's a really interesting notion of, you know, how do you manage the combat because they do have a lot more combos that you can unlock. And I do think the game probably could do a a little bit of signposting with how you upgrade a little better because I went for a couple of hours without doing any upgrades and I had this massive backlog of XP points (laughs) that I could have gone in and spent that I wasn't spending. But once you go in and spend them, you know, you could obviously upgrade Kratos, both the axe and the blades and then just his regular, you know, kind of rage mode skill trees. But then you can also upgrade some of the moves for Atreus as well. So when Kratos is fighting with him, you know, from the last game, you can command Atreus to do specific arrow attacks. So that is back and they've expanded upon that as well, which is awesome to see that they kind of have a little bit of more interplay with each other because he's stronger and tougher and and bigger. I just love it. I think I sometimes accidentally hit into some of these specialty moves, but once you learn them and remember like, oh, if I hold down R1 with this weapon, it does this thing. And I like that the combos mirror each other, depending on if you're using the axe or if you're using the blades, which is a nice thing to know, like, oh, if I hold R2 with either weapon, it kind of does a similar style attack. But obviously the animation of what it does is very different because the blades have fire powers and then the axe is all frost. So that's a nice like complementary set of combat skills. It's just so fun. It's just fun to play. It's so rare that you get a game that has such cool, fun, interesting combat, beautiful graphics, and an amazing story. It's why God of War 2018 was a masterpiece. And like... Unless they don't land the plane at the end of the game, like from how it's going just in the opening like 10 hours or whatever is like it's going great. Yeah, it's going to probably win my 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 goatee vote. But who didn't see that coming? Bree, I know you haven't played the original God of War. And as someone who played in 2018, I only played it once and that was it. There are mentions of certain plot 
points or characters. And I'm like, that name sounds in this in Ragnarok. And I think to myself, that name sounds really familiar. So I'll do a quick fandom God of War search. And that has been immensely helpful because then it jogs my memory. But if you have not played the original God of War, you absolutely should before hopping into Ragnarok if you can find the time. Because I can't imagine going into Ragnarok without playing the original and appreciating and understanding as much as I am currently. Yes. They give you a little recap video that you can choose to watch in the menu when you first boot up the game. But it's brief. Oh, yeah. So... If you really want a refresher, find somebody on YouTube that you like that does these kinds of recap videos or an article that does a recap because they don't give you time to breathe. They, they throw you right into the action. And if you guys don't know what happened in the last game, you're going to be a little lost. Yeah, at the beginning. Feels good, but man. I do have a couple questions. And then obviously, if you do have questions, let us know that people wrote on Twitter. The one that I got a couple of times was about the loading elevators and corridors. So the previous God of War games before the reboot were known for the kind of seamless world building and loading and God of War 2018 had the same thing where we kind of had these corridors that hid the loading screens. Yes, those are back. And there are some short elevator sequences, but they're short because if you're playing on PlayStation 5, the loading is very, very quick. Now, neither Brittany or I tried this game on PS4, so I can't attest to how it runs on PlayStation 4, but I'm hoping that it's running great. But if you have a PS5, you should be playing it on your PS5. But yes, the loading tunnels and corridors are back, but I didn't find them to be Oh no, they're so brief. If you didn't even know that's what they are you want to know at the Foxblade asks is summoning the axe back to as satisfying as the first one the sound the rumble the weight so good yes it's even more satisfying because of the haptics and the dual sense controller oh. and let me tell you Sony Santa Monica is putting those things to work oh it's impressive I didn't even notice I think I was sitting in the boat on a lake and I had set the controller down on a little end table and I heard like this bzz, bzz sound but what the heck it was the controller doing those subtle vibrations that, that are built into it and it was just incredible how how incredible that is in itself but I know you're talking about haptic feedback but the the rumble is just so so freaking awesome and the first time I threw the axe it came back and it decapitated someone on its way back and I was I squealed it was (laughs) it was so satisfying I was like oh my god I forgot how fucking awesome this is and it just feels really good now is the ability to frost your axe was that in the first one I don't remember uh the frost awakening yeah I I don't remember what it was called if it was the same thing. Was it? I don't recall using that, but I use that a lot. Me too. It's really satisfying. Now. So you hold up your axe, you hold triangle down, and it frosts your axe up, which gives the extra frost damage, and it's more powerful at that point. What's kind of fun about that is that takes time to charge up, maybe like a second or so, but the enemies can be very quick in this game. So I found a really good combo that works, which is have Atreus shoot the enemies as I'm charging with triangle, and it, it's, it's a really brilliant companion system that built in that doesn't feel obnoxious and Atreus feels genuinely helpful it's God of War it's incredible we all knew it would be but you know (laughs) yeah Brittany so which mode are you playing you playing the resolution one or not I'm doing performance, but hearing Andrew talk about resolution, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to check that out. Yeah, I just, for some, if my frame stutters, I, which sucks because I play a lot of Switch games and all those games stutter and it makes me dizzy and makes me sad. But anyway, yeah, so playing on uh, on PS5, I didn't even give resolution a chance. I just hopped straight into performance, but mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. And yeah, usually I do that with, with games for PS5 and also on Xbox. I'll, I'll put a performance mode more than resolution. And mm-hmm. I have a 4K TV. 
I think the problem I have is I don't... Well, John and Andrew have the same TV as I do, so I should probably just talk to John, the TV wizard. But I feel like every game has to be tweaked differently to fit the TV because every game comes with its own presets. And so sometimes the TV wants to run the game great, or I don't know if it's the game that's trying to run the TV all wonky and weird. And so I just find that doing performance just tends to work better. But I should check it out because it's like there's game mode, there's non-game mode, there's this, there's that. And it gets too confusing. I can't wait till all this shit is streamlined. The settings inside the God of War menu system are diverse. Like there's a Mm. lot in there. You know, Sony as a company has been doing a lot for accessibility in their last couple of first party games. And I'm not an accessibility expert, of course, but their accessibility settings are vast within this menu. And there's a lot of different things that you can do. There are five different difficulty settings, which is great. And so you can play it on like super baby ass baby mode or you can play it on what's called God of War mode which is, you know, the most intense mode that you can start at and you can drop down from, mm-hmm. but you once you drop down, you can't go back up to God of War mode, which I thought was interesting. So if you start in God of War mode, the hardest difficulty, and you are like, okay, I can't do this, you have to start the game completely over again if you want to try it again. Yeah, I think it's for trophies, right? Probably. That's like yeah. a platinum, right? I imagine. I don't know. Yeah. I would. I don't think that Sony would make you get the completion on the hardest difficulty to get the platinum. That seems like something they wouldn't do. That's a challenge. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a challenge, but it's also it also makes the game unaccessible to some people. Yeah, so. that's true. And they've been they've been really good about you know not doing that with their first party titles, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. So we also don't know the full trophy list. So TBD, Danny, <laughs> onto what the <laughs> platinum is going to be for this game, but. There's a lot of options within the menu for people who are looking forward to that. And, you know, I can try to capture some gameplay and release that once we are allowed to do so. So as Brittany mentioned, I have not played through all of the first God of War. And I've gotten maybe like three or four hours in. And for whatever reason, I put it down, moved on to something else, which obviously is sacrilege at this point. But (laughs) what would you both suggest for somebody who is maybe in a position like me or who hasn't played it at all or... Maybe they're just now finding a PlayStation and are interested in delving into this world and into this lore and into this story. Like, do we just like power through an easy mode? Like, should we really try to experience the combat at the standard level in order to prep for Ragnarok? Like, what's the best entry point for a newcomer to the series? I think you can definitely start on the easiest mode or the second easiest mode and then ratchet it up if you want more of a challenge. Or, you know, you could do it vice versa. It really depends on the type of gamer that you are and also how much of the story you want to see. Because there is a lot of exploration to do. Now, this isn't a true open world game in the sense that, like, you have access to the whole of the world and you can just kind of explore at your leisure. Like, that's not this kind of game, right? This is not like an Elden Ring in that regard. It is way more crafted as to, like, where the game wants you to go. But the game does give you the opportunity to choose a branching path at a certain point. Like, do we go to this realm or do we go to this realm? And what are we going to do in this realm? And I like that the game is like, hey, if you go this direction, you could experience these things. But if you go over here, 
this could be something you want to experience instead. It's up to you to choose how you are going to let your game unfold, which I really liked. And so it's up to you as a player to go, do I want to experience more of the story and kind of breeze through some of the combat encounters? Or do I want to kind of really feel the meat of the combat? Because the combat is, the combat design is really chef's kiss. It's really good. It is good. And I will say, even if you are playing, I remember from the first God of War, I think I lowered the difficulty like halfway through so I could get through the story. It still feels very satisfying. It's not as challenging. You feel more like a god. But you know, I guess if you want to role play, it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Kratos versus Wolf. And very, very generous autosave checkpoints. Yeah. You can manual save at any point, but the game is autosaving almost every three minutes. And in the accessibility settings, you can add in mini boss checkpoints as well. So mm-hmm. even when you're in the middle of mini boss fights and boss fights, you can add in checkpoints during the battle. So if you fail and you want to go back but start midway through where you were, there's a checkpointing system with bosses as well, which I think is a, an amazing option for people who want to use that. Nice. It sounds like it respects a player's time, which is, yeah. as you all know, is one of my biggest pet peeves. Make it as hard and as challenging as you want or you know, make it as accessible as the game allows. And it seems like the game is quite accessible awesome. from what we've seen so far. I can't wait to play. Excited really cool. You. Yeah. Ugh, more to say on God of War. But there is other games that we want to talk about as well in the show today. Brittany, you got some hands-on time with Resident Evil 4 Remake. Ah, let me pull up my big-ass documenter notes. Uh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, so huge thank you to Capcom for flying my ass out to San Francisco so I could play this game. Oh, my God. So I flew all day, and I traveled all day to play 50 minutes of this game, and it was 100% worth it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. So Resident Evil 4 Remake. So for those of you who don't know, the original Resident Evil 4 came out in 2005 and is regarded as, well, obviously, it was genre-defining for the third-person shooter genre, but also just in terms of it was that pivotal point in Resident Evil's history. You know, you had Resident Evil. Anyway, it was the first time Resident Evil kind of took like a turn for the different. It was, you know, pretty, uh, people had their opinions on the direction of the of the game at that point. I personally wasn't the biggest fan of Resident Evil 4 when it first came out. I missed the silent survival horror genre, the slow pace of everything. But I have come around to Resident Evil 4 and I have come to learn, not to learn to love it. I have come to love it and appreciate it for uh, what it is and understand how iconic this game really is. So when you have the task of remaking such a famous, well-known, highly regarded game, there's obviously a lot of things that can go wrong with that. But I'm happy to say I think Capcom is doing the absolute right thing by remaking this game the way they are. Resident Evil 3 Remake had some issues. We don't need to talk about that. Resident Evil 2 Remake, on the other hand, I think was a masterpiece. So they are definitely going the Resident Evil 2 route when it comes to Resident Evil 4 Remake, which is 100% the right call, and I'm very, very excited about that. So this game is, quote, reimagined and modernized, which is preserving the essence of the original game. It introduces modernized gameplay, a reimagined storyline, and, quote, vividly detailed graphics. So it gives you an idea of what they're doing with this. So the opening of Resident Evil 4 is just so much, of the remake, is so much darker than the original Resident Evil 4. And that, I think I expected that. The original RE4. Now, Danny, you played that one, right? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So you can relate to what I'm saying here. That almost had a B-movie feel to it. Leon was was really silly in that game. He had a, a lot of really fun, iconic one-liners. And it, that's hard because the events of Resident Evil 2, which is, you know, that canon Leon, and then you have this Leon in Resident Evil 4, 
like RE2 is a very serious game. So how do you take that tone and translate it to RE4 when the original had such a kind of silly tone to it? A lot of, again, like silly little quips that Leon would make. He seemed a little bit carefree in that game. But again, in the remake, they're doing something much darker. He seems much more plagued by, no pun intended, by what happened in Raccoon City and what he went through. And he hasn't quite recovered from the trauma that he experienced. And that's very evident. And I think that really sets the tone of this remake. With that said, there are still some iconic quips that have returned and there are some new funny one-liners as well that are making a comeback. So I would say if you're worried about the tone feeling a little not true to itself, don't fret. I definitely laughed a few times out loud. So like that was a really big thing. Another really neat thing they're doing, and I'm trying to keep this as spoiler-ish free as possible because I think you should experience this for yourself as much as you possibly can. Las Plagas is the bioweapon in RE4 and they're really exploring that as well and deep diving into it. And that's kind of what I've noticed a lot throughout my demo is some things like the Las Plagas infection or Ashley's disappearance or Leon as a character or Hunnigan or any of these things, they're being expanded on. And just in the 50 minutes that I did play, and granted, a lot of those 50 minutes were spent exploring and, you know, Andrea is looking at the toilet paper of Resident Evil 4, looking at all the details in the game and just kind of getting... Just got a thing for toilet I paper, I got a thing folks. for toilet paper. Know. You know, you have a thing for seals. I have a thing for toilet paper. It's fine. Stop bringing that up. Never. Just gawking at everything. And maybe I died a bunch from Dr. Salvador Chainsaw. But just kind of getting an idea of how much more fleshed out this story is going to be got me all hot and bothered and excited. And giving characters like Hunnigan more of a role, just from what I could tell, again, it's just like, this is how you do it. This is how you remake a game. And there's a lot of rumors and unconfirmed speculation about what happened with the development of RE4 Remake and maybe why it took so long that the game maybe passed through a bunch of hands. But whatever hands they're in and whatever happened, just A plus decision on on whoever was in charge of (laughs) making that happen. The combat in this game is quote, modernized. If you've played RE2 or RE3, you know what to expect. You have your D-pad where you can switch through the weapons. I will say the knife now has durability, and I know that's probably going to make a lot of people unhappy. So for those of you who don't know, one of the most iconic combat combos back in the day was shoot an enemy, roundhouse kick him in the face, slash him with your knife when they're on the ground, rinse, wash, repeat, you have a dead Ganado on the ground. And that was kind of how you could cheese through that game. But now that the knife has durability, I think that's really going to impact that. You know, I think speedruns are going to be really interesting to watch and see how people learn how the environments react to that. You can stealth kill the villagers now, which I tried to do many times, and I uh, maybe failed a lot. The villagers themselves in the main village encounter, which is kind of like the most like holy shit moment they just felt so grabby and not in a bad way it just felt more realistic I think in the original Leon felt much more quick and nimble and in this one you know he feels like an actual like adult male you know he's heavy he the way he runs you know he's not in like a, a ballerina by any means and so trying to navigate can we just stop for a second and think about <laughs> him in a tutu Running listen. like a ballerina. Listen, Leon, I want to see that want, fan art. I do too. I want to see that. If we could get his face model to make this happen, OnlyFans, I'm just saying, I would pay for that content. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, as you're running through, it doesn't feel as quick and easy to dodge through all the villains. They're going to grab you. They're going to shove you with their pitchforks. They're, Dr. Salvador, the big chainsaw guy, is going to come at you and he's going to chainsaw you and it's going to be very painful and you will die a lot. And so that, again, is just kind of a, a modernized version 
version of Resident Evil 4 where it does feel more realistic. And I think that's the right route to go. What I always tell people is you're always going to have the original game. Same thing with Final Fantasy 7. You don't like where the remake went? Guess what? You always have your original game. You're going to be fine. Same with this. Although I do anticipate a lot of folks are going to be very happy with the direction this game is going. I think some people are going to be like, oh, where's my suplexes? Where's my infinite knife durability? Where's this? Where's that? It's not a good fit for this remake, but you're always going to have that in the original. So calm your tits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just, let's see. What else should I talk about here? I have a question. Yeah. No, please hit me with them. Yeah. Yeah. So how's the voice acting from the villagers? Because that was very interesting from the original. Are they still speaking Spanish? Is it a new... Yeah, new, yeah, there's new, voice new lines. Actors, the, there are new lines. new lines, yeah. And I think a lot of it's very basic Spanish because I was able to understand most of it. And I did take four years, <laughs> 10 years ago, but I can't imagine my brain hasn't fully rotted by then. But there are some new lines. I didn't hear any of the iconic lines, but again, I only got to play through this once. And then uh, it was mostly me just running around frantically trying to avoid the chainsaw. Leon also <laughs> spoke some Spanish, which was very nice to see. And again, one of those narrative beats that I think makes more sense. Why would you be going somewhere where the primary language is Spanish and you didn't learn any? But he looks like he did learn some in this one. So I'm glad. I'm glad I did that. Right. You know? and, and actually, it's not fully Spanish. It's more Castilian. Mm, OK. So yeah, can you yeah. explain that? Explain the difference for us uh, ignorant folks? So Castilian is more like, like, for example, like the sound of the S is different than the regular Spanish Latin America. So, for example, I'll say Sabado is Saturday. In Castilian, they will say something like Sabado. Like, it's like a weird... Uh... The X oh, I've totally heard that. Different. Okay. And so it's a regional dialect? Yeah. So, for example, car. For them, it will say coche. For us, we'll say carro. So, like, there's certain words. It's not the same in okay. Spanish. Words. It's like English in the U.S. versus the and U.K. the U.K. And yeah. the U.K. Okay. Something well, like there that. you go. Yeah, Thank different you, continent, different version. Yeah. Perfect. So Argentina and Spain are the ones that uses more Castilian. And the rest is just regular Spanish from Latin America and the Caribbean. I want to talk about real quick before I stop talking about Resident Evil 4, the village sequence a little bit more. So I died maybe four or five times in the village sequence, which I don't know why I always die when <laughs> the team is watching me. Isn't you know it the worst? I mean? Going to preview oh, events the and they're like right over your shoulder watching you. And you're like, yeah. stop judging my performance, okay? I just stop started judging. playing. I know. I know I'm dying and it's fine. They're like, you know, you can go in that house right there. I'm like, I know I could. I'm trying to experiment. <laughs> it's an excuse. I didn't know I could do that. Anyway, so <laughs> so the, the village sequence itself is is just kind of known for being this super hectic encounter. And there's a few ways you can, you can do it. And so I, <clears throat> trying to be the melee face tank that I like to pretend I am, Try to just run around and shoot all the villagers in the face and clear it out. Well, that didn't go very well, and I got rocked, and I died multiple times. But what was interesting about it is that the way it plays out, and it's similar to the beginning, where there's a house in the village, friends, where if you enter the house, this famous scene plays, and you can run upstairs, and you can grab a shotgun, which you, you, you should, you need it, or you can grab a grenade. And I talked to a few people who also played this, and everyone finished the sequence differently. And after the sequence was when the demo ended. So I ultimately took down Dr. Salvador. And if you're like, who the hell is that? I know I've mentioned his name a bunch. He's the dude with the chainsaw. He's the dude with the sack over his face. And this remake, oh my god, he is absolutely terrifying. And he is more menacing than ever. So I actually ended up killing him, which was no easy feat, but you didn't have to do it that way. Someone else, what they did is they just survived long enough. And then 
what happens is the bell rings and then Leon has an iconic little quip that he says. And then another person never even went into the shotgun house and never even got the shotgun. Their encounter with Dr. Salvador played out a lot differently and then they just survived until the end. So I know that was in the original game to an extent, but I'm kind of curious to see if that's going to play into maybe some future changes that maybe there's going to be more choice and consequence in RE4 Remake. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Who could say? But yeah, I mean, just overall, I'm, I'm really excited by from what I've seen. I think this is being handled the way it absolutely should be. I think the deeper dive into some of those narrative beats that were kind of skipped over in the original is the right call. I love the B-movie feel of the original, but I think this might kind of steer into a true more serious survival horror pant shitting butt clenching experience and that's kind of what I'm going for so yeah like I'm, I'm very excited March 23rd or 24th I think is the release date of this game oh boy for all platforms yeah I think so I, is, is it next gen only I don't freaking know these things anyway put me on the spot I, I, I'm, I'm asking I'm curious I, like, I love Resident yeah, Evil I don't know anything about Resident <laughs> Evil you know I know nothing about it oh yeah okay so it looks like it's PS4 Xbox X S PS5 okay I don't know if they've announced it coming to last gen of Xbox yet that might- time is slowly coming to an end. Yeah, yes. it feels too, like it's too, time. too well, slowly. It's, it's announced for PS4. It's it's obviously just like a marketing beat and I'm sure after the showcase it'll be confirmed that it's coming, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm excited and happy for you. Thanks. And I'll check it out. I checked out RE3 remake. I think you'd like this one more actually because it's more action focused and obviously in the remake I think it's going to be a lot creepier, but uh yeah. definitely I loved Village. I was all about it. Yeah, girl, we got that Village DLC coming too. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna be fun. Well, you guys have both been playing some more games as well. There's a brand new game coming out. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Danny, you've been playing and you've got... Wait, what is this that you have here? A fancy box. Is that like a swag box that they sent you? I just got it today from Ubisoft. Oh, very nice. Did Ubisoft send that over? Yeah, let me open this up. I can show you Show and tell time. Oh, isn't that cute? A little rabbit in his Mario outfit. My favorite. The diva. I know. Rabbit she's Peach. so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, Peach Rabbid. There is a book also that comes with like an art book with everything. Oh, an art book? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love tactile books. It looks pretty cool. Wait, why is it not even open? Nice. There you go. See, like, it's like a lot nice. of stuff here. Oh, fancy yeah. uh, art book. Very nice. I have the game, which I can't show because the code. <laughs> of course oh. not. Stickers. Stickers. Yeah. Oh, fun. Ooh, ow, that hit my face. <laughs> See, now this is the thing I'm jealous oh of. That is amazingly adorable. So it's a plushie for everybody listening on podcast. It's a yellow star plushie. What's the official name of that? Is there a uh, official name for that character? Yeah, so it's the rabid yellow star. There's different stars in the game. But this is the mm, yeah. yeah. This is the yellow I just one. didn't know if that one had a had a name. I can't remember. It's cute. It's <laughs> real cute. Yeah. The derp star. demented there's, looking star. <laughs> there's this and a keychain. <laughs> the derpiest of stars. <laughs> yeah. No, but thanks. Yeah. I, I love more rabbits. I love the first one. It, you know what, Brittany? I know you played this a long time ago. It reminded me of Super Mario RPG that Square made for the Super NES. Okay, you got my attention. That type of vibe, you know, it's it's yeah. not RPG. It's more like an RTS type game. But I, I just love the story between rabbits and also Mario and it's fun a lot of fun to play the first so one it's interesting yeah. you say that because that the gameplay of the first one's kind of what has me a little uh, to play the second one has it changed a lot yes it's more open now now you have more places okay. to go previously it was only like certain spots but this one it feels like it's wider now the options that you have okay. with the characters and there's new characters too that you see in the game actually Bowser's in, in the game too uh, you will play him too as a character and uh, there's a new one his name is Edge 
he's pretty cool. He's also a, a rabbit. Yeah, the game is phenomenal. Actually, the first game, I experienced one of the best boss battles of any Mario game was on the first ah. one, too. It was like a musical battle with a Mario Rabbits versus that character, which I'm not going to say because I want you to just experience it. But it was more <laughs> like an opera experience. It was really cool. So actually, uh, you'll see Edge if you go to my cam over here. Edge is right here. Ooh, Edge looks like a badass. Yeah. He has yeah. a sword, and you could throw the sword from far away. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. Love it, love it. But I haven't used mm -hmm. the other characters yet because I only have the option to have three characters only. So it's Edge, Mario, and also have Luigi in there. So, But you could change it up whenever you want. Are you going to get the opportunity to have more characters with you? Or is yes, three yes. Later, three. Oh, okay. It's only three. But later, you're going to get, you know, more characters that's joining you as a group. But you have the options to choose which one of those those from the group to be part of the three team. Hmm, Similar to uh, Final Fantasy. Oh, okay. Yeah, Final Fantasy gotcha. VII. Hmm. It's really good. Like, honestly, Brittany, I think you should definitely play this. And I've always kind of liked the vibe, but just the, the RTS gameplay of it just kind of, it kind of took me out of it. Because when you said Super Mario RPG, I'm thinking, God, I love that world because it felt mm -hmm. so you know, fantasy-like, and I could go anywhere and see anything, but I felt so limited in the first one. By you saying it's more open, mm -hmm. has me a little bit more interested. It's a lot, it's a lot, way more open than the previous one, for okay. sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. And it's, okay. the game's still funny. Oh, my God. The rabbits are hilarious. <laughs> very, very funny. You would like it, for sure. So, okay. And you too, Andrea. I don't know if Andy is into RTS games or not, but... So I played the first couple of hours of the first one, mm -hmm. but when it came out, I think there was we were just being pulled in a couple different directions, mm -hmm. and everybody raved about their time with it. And I hadn't spent a lot of time with an RTS in a while, but I was like, if any game was going to get me into it, it's going to be this one because I love the rabbits, the raving rabbits, mm -hmm. and I love Mario. So I was like, this is like the Venn diagram overlap of what I would <laughs> what I would want in an RTS, and I just never ended up going back to finish it but it's on my list it's just you know one of those things where it's like how much time how many hours in the day mm -hmm. do i have to play this versus you know god of war and also my dreamlight valley has been neglected for oh, two no. days the, <laughs> the night thorns have probably taken over it's just like what am i what am i gonna do i can't i can't I can't play all the games. There's too many games. It's a games lot. To play. It's a lot of games. But see, like I, I want to continue playing more rabbits. I just haven't had the time because of work previously, not anymore. Yeah. And now I have more time to play. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna play that a lot. And then. I'm going to focus on God of War for sure. Ragnarok. Definitely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the other game that you two have been playing that I also have in my queue is Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, yes. which just came yes. out on Friday from Elphonic, friends of the show, the Willems, James and Elise eh. are writers on it. And Ree, you worked on an event for the game. I did. I did. So shout out to Shannon Garrettson, who brought me on to help the launch event in New York, not at Comic-Con, but near Comic-Con in the time of Comic-Con, as I mentioned <laughs> before. So Shannon is amazing and she actually surprised me and put me in the credits of the game, which I was absolutely not expecting. Aww. And It was so cool. Yeah, it, it was emotional. It was my first time having a video game credit with my married name since I met Danny. So Yay. that was very special and um, in an otherwise really difficult week. So that was, that was pretty great. But all of that aside, the game is fun and I actually hadn't played it before the launch event. So Danny and I played with uh, another former X-Play producer Emily, also, mm -hmm. you know, friend of the show, another person who's guested on What's Good. And we had a really good time. We had a couple of random matches with Greg
Greg Miller in it, which was pretty funny. Uh, of course. Because, you know, of course he was playing during preview time. But I did not expect to like it as much as I did. And and that's not any disservice to what I expected. It's just we've seen Evolve. You know, we've seen the Friday the 13th game. We've seen the Predator games. And, you know, it's definitely a genre we've had a number of takes on. But for some reason... I feel so much more delighted every time I play this, even if I'm losing. And that's the biggest plus for me in asymmetrical gameplay is like, even if I'm not doing well, did I enjoy my time? Because, you know, I'm a, a big stickler for like a game respecting my time. And if I'm not progressing, if I'm not, you know, seeing any benefit to playing, if I'm not unlocking anything, or if I'm not enjoying myself, I get really frustrated. And even if I wasn't successfully trapping ghosts, or if I wasn't successfully haunting a building as the ghost, I still enjoyed it. So I am very, very pleased with the way this turned out. And I, I got to say, I really enjoy being the ghost, which I did not expect. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, is it is it the vibe you think that you, you vibe with? <laughs> the vibe that you vibe with? Because I'm watching this gameplay and I'm, I'm like, this just looks fun. You know, it looks lighthearted. It looks like, like you said, if you're losing, oh, well, who cares? You're still having fun. Or I looked at a game like Evolve and I'm like, that looks serious. And yeah, yeah, Evolve was definitely a little bit more serious, more gravitas to it. And this this definitely plays at the, the common aspects of the original 1984 movie Ghostbusters, right? It's not a horror. <laughs> it's definitely more cartoonish, you know, more wacky and... Spoopy. Yes, right? spoopy, spoopy instead of spooky or, or atmospheric, but the skill level is actually pretty impressive. Like, there's a lot of depth of gameplay as far as, like, how you approach as the ghost haunting a space or as the team of Ghostbusters, the four people that you create and go in with, how you decide to try to de-haunt the place or talk the ghost or, you know, just calm down the passersby and the bystanders or if you're going to actively try to take out rifts that the ghost would use to respawn or if you want to just go straight for capturing the ghost. Like you have a lot of player agency in this format and it's really impressive that, you know, Ilphonic's been able to introduce this depth of gameplay when it's still really so accessible and and so fun. And I say accessible, maybe not in the, the terms as far as what the settings are. I'm, again, not an accessibility expert, but it felt very approachable and very easy to understand and fun to get in and start having fun like right away from match number one. Another thing I uh, forgot to mention, Reed, this is also crossplay. And at that time, oh, excellent. at that time we were having issues because I was playing the PC version and Reed was playing the console version. So we were just joining random matches and we end up playing together. But uh, I <laughs> nice. hopefully by now there's a patch where I could just go and see if there's anybody from my friend list from the Epic Game Store, check from there and I can invite them. Similar to like Fortnite, similar to like the names from there and consoles and everything. So, but the cool thing is when we went to New York City and went to the event, it's a couple, it's like maybe a block away from the firehouse where they filmed the original Ghostbusters movie. So, oh, cool. So, yeah, so, That's cool. So, we got to hang out with the firefighters there and we got to check out the front and the inside. The inside part is not like the movie at all because I think they were telling us that they filmed that here in LA, like a soundstage somewhere, somewhere right? Yeah. yeah. But they use everything from the outside that's part of the movie. Now, the alley in between right next to the firehouse when you go and check that out in the game it's exactly the same so we were looking at it too in new york i'm like oh my god because the, the developers were explaining to us about it but it was a lot smaller in real life this one is like way bigger and that's the area where you could upgrade your weapon so you could also practice because there's like fake ghosts there where you go and uh and i think there's a house also on the other side 
where you could also learn more about becoming a ghost and everything. So it's really cool. And there's a story in the game too. That's not like in Friday the 13th. I believe there's like six acts in there. Oh, nice. Yep. And it relates to right after Ghostbusters Afterlife, like around that time. So many games. Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) So many games, so few hours in the day. But hey, at least your kid watches you play some games now. That's kind of fun. It's so fun. He did the cutest little Kratos impression today. (gasps) And I was like, (laughs) He's learning. He is learning. And he uh, picked up Kirby the other day. And obviously, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But whatever the new Kirby is on Switch, I can't remember. Anyway, I gave him a controller. And he was just like jumping around, floating, inhaling. And I'm like, oh, my God. It looks like you know what you're doing. But I know you and then he tried to eat the controller so I had to like <laughs> um, yeah, cut that mm-hmm. but no mm-hmm. it, it's fun it's, it's nice it gives me a whole five ass uninterrupted minutes to play games you know five minutes five brilliant minutes to you know look around your inventory for the thing that you want to wear <laughs> or maybe that's just me <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been a jam-packed show. And thank you, Danny, for taking time to come to What's Good and talk about what you've been playing and discuss the news with us. You know you are welcome back anytime. Thank you. Just come on over and, and hang out with us. Yeah. You don't need to keep working with that Paris guy. I heard he can't cook. <laughs> oh, oh. He's going to poison you. Oh, anyway. man. Paris, Paris is Just true. kidding. Love you, Paris. <laughs> Just kidding. Nah, we need to get him back on this show. It's been too long. Yeah. We're, yeah. I got to see him at the, at the Kind of Funny launch event which was really fun which by the way a uh, big thank you to the whole team at Kind of Funny for having me on the stream last Friday it was a lot of fun if you guys missed the shenanigans it's up on their Twitch and their YouTube channels boy what a long day that was <laughs> but somehow I ended up playing Fortnite with Andy Mike and Nick at like 5 o'clock in the morning I'm like why am I doing this isn't What's Mike just me? a gem <laughs> He is like the gemmiest of gems. Oh, He's he just is. such a, and he kept his energy level like the same the whole day. I was like, I don't know how you're doing that. He's like, I don't either, Andrew. <laughs> so I impressive. don't know. He carried that. Very train, impressive. Man. Yep. I also oh. loved watching him yeah. eat eggs for the first time. That was very informational. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that he had never eaten eggs before. Never. I was like, this is. I felt bad that his first egg experience was IHOP, like to go yeah. eggs, because like oh, eggs gross. are not good to go food. Nope. Like, Wait, how are they cooked? He has several types. A, a variety of different ways yeah so not fresh though none of them fresh so hopefully he doesn't swear off eggs forever because of anthony carboni's mistakes but you know it is what it is Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us at the end of the show. The next couple of weeks are going to be a little different than normal because we're going to be traveling. But Britt's going to be here next week with a special guest. And the week after that, we have a special episode that we are pre-recording and we'll be uploading. And then the week after that, everybody, we are celebrating a big episode. Episode 300. Can you believe it? I'm proud of you girls. I know. Thank you. Not easy. Not easy to do. So I'm proud of you. It is not indeed. So we're hopefully going to have some fun shenanigans if we're not just exhausted (laughs) for that episode. But let us know if you guys have any fun memories that we can include in that episode. You can email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Leave us a message on Patreon. Of course, tweet to us at whatsgood underscore games if you're not following us there. It's going to be fun. And then boom, it's a downhill snowball (laughs) to the Game Awards and the end of the year, man. Oh, boy. This year, Hold on to your butts. Right around the corner. Exactly. Strap in, everybody. All right, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye.